We almost didn't make it. There was traffic on the five all the way from L.A. By the time I got into the building, I could see that people were already in their gowns. I found mine and threw it on, taking care with the peculiar-looking cap, known as a TAM, that is the pride and humiliation of all doctorates. I took my place in line just as the class marched into the auditorium. After a series of predictably boring speeches, the dean started calling out names. We had to sit through a couple hundred master's degrees before they even started on the PhDs. There were about 50 of us in our medieval hats. Knowing my last name starts with S, I wished I'd hidden a snack in my fancy robe. Better yet, a scotch. Finally, they got to our row. I watched with anticipation as each graduate stood up and stepped forward. By the 239th time, I knew the drill. Name gets called out, graduate walks up, diploma and handshake from the provost while the dean inelegantly shoves the hood over the poor graduate's head. Once the person's hair is thoroughly messed up, a fast click-click from the school photographer. Then it's get off the podium. They're already calling the next name. So when the lady next to me got called up, I readied myself for the mad dash. But as she left the stage, there was an unexpected lull. The provost turned away from the microphone as the president walked to it. I panicked. What the hell was going on? Oh, God, I thought. I must have screwed up my credits. Suddenly, I was regretting the seven-hour drive to San Francisco when I wasn't even going to graduate. Every year, the president said, the faculty chooses one graduate to receive the award for the dissertation of distinction. This year's award goes to an ambitious project that simultaneously tells the story of a girl whose life is taken over by a skilled, determined, and extremely cruel pedophile, while presenting an anthropological, sociological study of the pedophile and sadomasochism subcultures in the Western world. It is the bravest piece of academic writing I have ever read. It was written by Michelle Stevens. The auditorium erupted into applause. People who knew me hurrahed. The president stepped back from the microphone and shot me a smile. It vaguely occurred to me that I was supposed to go up there. Pushed forward by my classmates, I reluctantly walked to the stage. Along the way, it was moving to see all the people who had supported me. My wife, Chris, our little boy, Mikey, my best friend, Steve. My whole dissertation committee was there, plus a slew of supportive professors. It was miraculous, really, that moment. Miraculous that I was even alive. See, up until that point, I'd led a very dangerous life. First, as a result of heinous child abuse. Later, as a result of the severe mental illness that stemmed from it. Just six years prior to graduation, I'd been confined to a mental hospital because one of my alternate personalities kept trolling for sadistic men who aimed to hurt me. Another was continuously suicidal and had made quite a few attempts. While at that hospital, which specializes in treating people who have suffered severe psychological trauma. I was told by a seasoned therapist that my prognosis was not very good. I was diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder, 
more commonly referred to as multiple personality disorder, which is one of the worst psychiatric diagnoses a person can get. All around me were patients who had lost everything due to the disease. Their jobs, their spouses, their kids. I was told that I would never be able to lead a normal, functional life. I was told I was a lost cause. So, to say it was a miracle to be standing on that podium that night in front of the faculty and student body is not an overstatement. And to be lauded for my dissertation, well, that was a miracle too. See, the topic of my dissertation was my fucked up life. Not the usual academic fare, I know. But as the survivor of a child sex ring, I wanted to shed light on pedophiles. I needed to explain why they do what they do and how it affects their young victims. I had noticed that we, as a society, are fed a steady stream of news stories about abductions, fallen clergy, and child pornography. But despite all the TV ratings and magazine sales these stories garner, we seem to know very little about sexual abuse or why it occurs. Thus, every time a big story breaks, Elizabeth Smart, Catholic priests, J.C. Dugard, Jerry Sandusky, the Cleveland kidnappings, were left with the same questions. How could it happen? How could it happen in that neighborhood? Why didn't they try to escape? Why didn't they tell anyone? Why didn't anybody notice? How could it go on for so long? Why didn't anybody do anything? On a deeper level, I could see that these stories trouble us. They make us worry about our personal safety and the safety of our children. We wonder, how do I know who to trust? How can I protect myself and the ones I love? I knew I had answers to these questions. I had answers to all of them. I had answers because I had survived more than six years of rape and torture at the hands of countless predators. Men who, due to their nefarious activities, are notoriously difficult to find and study. During those years, I had a front row seat to the operations of a career pedophile. I watched him pull off his dirty deeds, watched him molest lots of typical kids from middle-class families. I also watched a considerable number of his pervert friends. As a voyeur, I learned a lot about sexual predators, how they think, how they choose their prey, how they keep their conquests quiet. Furthermore, as a survivor, I knew what it was like to suffer abuse, what it does to a person's spirit, to their psyche, 